Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. Now, we are covering a very important topic. Last week, we asked, who am I? So we all asked that question of ourselves, who am I? We discovered that our identity is in Christ. In fact, our identity is that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. What does it mean to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God? It means that we have his likeness. Not only do we have his likeness, but we have his blessing. We have his blessing. That means a lot. That means a lot. Today, being that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, we're going to ask another question. And that question, what my computer's acting up here, that question is not just who am I, but why am I? Isn't that a good question? If I am a son of God, then why am I here? Why am I here? That's a good question. If God saved you, then why didn't he just take you to heaven immediately? What's the purpose? So as we ask that question, I want you to consider something about the day of salvation. What is salvation to a Christian? Salvation to a Christian is you were walking in your own direction. Everyone starts off in this default position. It's called the position of sin. We are born into sin. That's an I attitude. If you want to define sin, write it out, S-I-N, and then circle the I. Isn't that the problem? Me, myself, and I. I want to be in charge. I am in charge of my life. I am the center of my universe. And when we realize that I'm the problem, if you're talking, then you would say, I'm the problem. I mean, you're the, we are all our own problem. And so at some point, the Lord, by the power of his Holy Spirit, helps you understand that you might be able to change your clothing. You might be able to change some of your behaviors and habits, but you can never get to the inside of the problem, and that is to change your soul and to make you alive in the Spirit to really give you regeneration, then at that point, you realize that and you say, Lord, I need a Savior, and you turn from an I attitude to, Lord, I want to serve you. This is called repentance. This is why the Bible says, repent and believe. So I turn from an I attitude, and I believe, I put my faith in you, Lord Jesus, that you came down to this earth with me in mind, you died on a cross, you covered my sin with the payment of your life so that I might have life. And that holy exchange, I believe it, God, I believe it, and I am saved. In that moment, the Bible says that you are given life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Spirit of the living God. Now stay with me on this. Stay with me. I know some of you are ready to get excited and celebrate that. But what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit is this. You are transferred from death to life. You go from unrighteous to righteousness. From darkness to light. And you are saved. But what about my future? And you will continue to be saved. What does that mean? It means that... I am changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ, but I spend a lifetime learning how to walk it out. 
Amen. I learn how to walk it out. How many of us can say, I'm a Christian, but I've learned some things over the years. I've learned how to walk closer with the Lord. I've learned how to trust him more. I've learned some things. Amen. And that's what the Christian life is all about. So think about this with me. You have the Holy Spirit. You're changed and you walk by faith. By faith. Simply put, the way you receive God is the way you got to walk with God. Turning my back on me, isn't that what Jay said? Jay said, some of, we have to what? Deny ourselves, die to ourselves, moment by moment, situation by situation, decision by decision, and learn to put our faith in God. So the way you're saved is the way you walk. You go, wow, wow. See, this is a supernatural thing we're doing. This is a metaphysical thing we're doing. Some of you get real uncomfortable with the whole word metaphysics because the New Agers have taken that over, but meta just means beyond, uh, outside of, beyond this world. This is a outside of the physical realm thing that we do. Yes, it has a physical implication, but make no mistake, this is supernatural. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. You get to follow Christ by the power of his spirit. Now stay with me because um, I, want, I want to let you know something you may not know. Me and my family, we've been on a safari before. In fact, we went on the Kilimanjaro safari. Some of you are thinking, Kilimanjaro, isn't that a mountain in Tanzania? So yeah, it's a mountain in Tanzania. But our safari was in Orlando. And some of you are hip to, okay, Orlando, maybe one of the theme parks. But the, the, uh, the driver of our big truck, she was our tour guide. And she said, I'm going to point out some animals. And as I point them out, I'm going to ask you, what do you call a group of these animals? What do you call a group of these animals? And so um, she came up to some hippos and she said, what do you call a group of hippos? And it would Actually, it's called a bloat. A bloat. Just think of a float, because they float, right? How about rhinoceroses? A crash. Because if you meet a group of them, they will crash your vehicle. Amen. How about flamingos? A flamboyance. Very good. Someone said that. How about, uh, I'll give you an easy one, bees. A swarm, yeah, absolutely, a swarm. Some of you might say a hive, also a hive. Uh, they have a couple names. How about ants? An army. Dolphins? A pod? How about this one you may not know, but I found this very interesting. How about a group of crows? A murder. That's spooky. Okay, I'll put the rest of them up here because she went through some of these, and she said elephants are a... Parade, giraffes are a tower, owls, owls are a parliament, sharks are a shiver. Wow, that's, that's so true. Wildebeest are a chaos, just ask Simba, and zebras are a zeal, are a zeal. You know what I find interesting? That people, when they're put into a group, they're also called different things. How many of you have ever been part of a team or a school? How about a class? Anyone ever been part of a class, a crowd, an audience, a squad? Anyone ever been part of a squad, a platoon, an army? Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. How about a party? I've been a part of a couple parties that went bad, you know, or a gang. But, but what happens when you, when you do this thing we were talking about and you turn from I to our Lord Jesus Christ in faith and we are, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're called Christians. What is a group of Christians called? It's right up here, a church. A church. And so when we get into this topic of why am I, you have to consider your new identity. Why am I a Christian, a born again? Why am I saved by the power of the Holy Spirit and not raptured immediately into heaven? Because you were called to be part of his magnificent, amazing church. Church, this is so, so rich. And this is important to me because I get so tired of Christians missing this point where they say goofy, ridiculous things like, I don't have to be part of a church to be saved. What Bible are you reading? No more than you can be a bee without the hive. Can you be a bee without the hive? Not very long. You'll be dead. You couldn't be a dolphin without your pod. I want to remind you of that horrific, just, just hard to deal with Mother's Day message that I preached. I didn't realize what I was doing, but you mother showed me my, the error of my ways. And so there was this little wildebe, right? And he had left the, the, the safety of his chaos, of his group. And he was wandering about, and he walks into a pride of... Notice how they have names, pride of lions. And these lions just stand up going, what are you doing here? And you can almost see them praying, thank you. And they jump on this little guy, and they tear him to shreds. And every mother in the room goes, ah, I shouldn't have come this Sunday. It was on the screen, blood and guts. The men were going, yeah, ha, ha, the thrill of the hunt, right? And the mothers were freaking out. And I said, this is why you should make sure your children stay in church. <laughs> You'll never forget that one, will you? I know you protested. I got a plenty of emails. I got, I'll never do that again. I, I didn't even remember it was Mother's Day. That's even worse. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Anyway, this is what happens. Christians are supposed to be part of their church because the Bible says that the, that the devil and his pride of lions, he's like a lion roaring, circling about, looking for whom he may make easy prey of. And he doesn't hunt alone. He has demons and an entire gang of minions helping him. And so you might be here today saying, Pastor, what does this, what does this matter? I, I get it, I'm here at church, but I want you to get that deep in your heart that you are not just at church, you are the church. And that the church of Jesus Christ has a very specific purpose. Today we're gonna cover that. In fact, we're gonna cover six different points in the next 20 minutes.
Six different points, oh ye of little faith. Six different points. In fact, we'll start off with what the Bible says in the book of Peter. Peter says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. In the ESV, it makes it very, very clear. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Did you get that? Once you did not belong to this special class called Christians, and because you weren't a Christian, you were not a part of the church. Only the church is made up of Christians. And only Christians can be a part of the church. You say, how do you know you're a Christian? You have repented and believed and received the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans says, if you do not have the Spirit of God, you do not belong to him. What does that mean? It means no spirit, no church. That's what it means. And so Paul says, I mean, Peter says, you are chosen out of the world to become a special people, a special group for God. Now notice what he says. He says a chosen generation. I want you to know that this language is Old Testament language. You can find this language in the words of Moses from God to the people of Israel. But you know what else you find? You can go further back. This is also the be fruitful and multiply language that he gives to Abraham. And the fruitful and multiply language goes beyond Abraham back to Adam. And it shows the faithfulness of God that from Adam, he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And then he reinstates that to Abraham. And he says, through you, all the nations of the earth shall be what blessed and they will you will be fruitful and you will multiply. And then he goes on from Abraham to Moses and he says, I'm bringing you out of Egypt. I'm bringing you out of Babylon. I'm bringing you out of this crazy world to be a people to me that you may fulfill what I said, that my goodness will multiply and fill the earth. This is what the New Testament church is all about, that we should multiply the family of God in this place and fill it with his blessing. Amen? That's what we're called to do. Is anyone getting excited here? So so we're called to be his people. Now watch what I've I've been putting some pieces together. We're filled with the spirit of the living God and we're put into a church. You know what else he says about this whole thing that I've been talking about? He says we're being built into something. Watch. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into the holy temple. Did you see that word? Grows into a holy temple. Watch. Into the holy temple of the Lord 
in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So this is what God says. In the book of Peter, he gives you even more detail. He says, you are living stones. You are a living, building piece that God is stacking together in order for him to make a temple for himself. And right there it says that he will indwell that temple. Well, if he indwells each and every one of us and we come together, then we host his presence inside of us. You say, Pastor, wow, this is, this is very spiritual. Absolutely. He points, the, the Old Testament alludes to this. Do you remember when they built God a house? They built a what? A tabernacle and a holy temple later. What did God say? He said, I will fill that temple with my presence. In fact, there's a verse in the Old Testament that says this. I will dwell among my people. Now take this a step further. What did God say Jesus would be called in, at his birth? We have the name right outside. Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. See, I will be among my people. See, I'm forming a temple for myself out of human beings. It's called my church, and I will indwell them with my presence. Jesus says, I will leave you my spirit. When I ascend to heaven in the physical, I will leave you my spirit. Do you get that? And so we are being built into, but it goes a step further. Not only are we being built into the, the, the temple of God, we're being built into the body of Christ. That's what the Bible says. And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds, those are the pastors, and the teachers to equip. What does it mean to equip? It means to build up. So you have certain individuals that were given by God to the church so that he might build up his church. What is he doing? Well, it says here, for the building up of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So this is what he's saying. We are being built into a temple, into the very likeness and representation of Jesus Christ in our community so that when the world sees us as a church, they see Jesus. Amen? They see Jesus. Come on, do you see how deep this is? What I'm trying to get you to understand is this is spiritual. And this whole little watered-down Christianity that's been taught that it's all about you is foreign to the New Testament. It's foreign to the New Testament. The New Testament's like you are part of a body now. And by, based on what I've called your body to do, get after it so that you can reach your community. That means every administrator, every teacher, every businessman, every worker, every fast food attendant, anywhere you're at, you're thinking, yeah, this is what I do, but it's not who I am. And why I am, why I am is to be what I'm about. And I'm a son and daughter of the Most High God. So how can I help our church reach Bastrop for Jesus' glory? Amen. How can I do that? How can I give? How can I work? How can I use my special skills in the way God has created me and blessed me and taught me over the years? Oh, come on. Can someone feel what I'm preaching here? This is exciting. You go, Pastor, but it's so hard. 
It's hard. It's hard to like witness for Christ and to get out there and really do that. Yeah, that's why they killed him. And that's why he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you, but you're not of the world. I called you out of the world. You're my special people. You know what's so funny? It says, you are called to be his special people. That's what Peter said. It reminds me of a story. My son was little and he was playing with his friends and they were making fun of one of the little kids or, or the little kid thought they were making fun of him. And he says, you don't need to stop. My mama told me that I'm special and that I'm needed. And honey goes, snap, I think you just called yourself special needs. <laughs> and then he gets more upset. But can I tell you, you're special and you're needed. You're special and you're needed to the kingdom of God. Amen. This is what we're called to do. You say, okay, pastor, then, then let's get to it. What, are we, what is the church really supposed to be doing? Well, it's found in the book of Acts. You say, what happens in the book of Acts? This is what happens. Everybody with me? Everyone familiar with the resurrection story? What happens? They crucify Jesus. They, they, they crucify him on a cross. They take him down when he's dead. They put him in a tomb. And then he what? He rises and conquers death. Now, that's pretty miraculous. We'll talk more about that at Easter, but this is what I'm trying to get you to understand. He shows up to his disciples, giving them their final mandate and command, commissions them. He commissions them before he goes to heaven. And this is what he says, I'm about to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit, and this Holy Spirit's going to fill you with power. And I want you to go in my authority, and so he's He's forming the church. He's forming the church. And this is what the church begins to do immediately after receiving the Holy Spirit. Immediately after they receive the Holy Spirit, this is what they do. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. Right there you have the purpose of the church. Why? Because Jesus said, you're going to be a group called the church. And you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to go and reach. And this is how they did it. Teaching, fellowship, prayer. Did you see that in that verse? They continued in the doctrine. What does it mean, doctrine? That's a big five-letter word, right? Or not a five-letter word, but it's like a five-star word. We don't use that very often, right? What, what is that? Doctrine is your beliefs, your teaching, and your foundational um, belief structure. So if they continued in their beliefs and their foundational belief structure, their teachings, then what were they doing? They were being taught the word of God. That was, that's what was taking place. They were being taught the Word of God according to the Word of God. So the first word that we cover is teaching. Do you find this in God's Word? Oh, yeah. When Jesus commissioned his disciples, this is what he said. He said, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things. Now notice, how long would it take to learn all things? Come on, say with me. How long would it take to learn all things from God's word? 
at least your lifetime. At least. And you'll learn into heaven. Because the Bible's going to keep, I mean, the the Lord is going to keep revealing himself to you. But this is the beauty. You don't get to the end, so you'll never get bored. Isn't that beautiful? Come on, how many of us get bored sometimes? Like, I already know that. This is, this keeps revealing to you different facets. And this is why he says, teaching them to observe all things, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. So we're to do this to the end of the age. Because when we teach, we know and we grow. Isn't that true? The more we get to know God, the more we learn. The more we learn, the more we know God. And the more we know God, the more we grow. This is found throughout Scripture. I want to take you to, um, I want to take you to, to another verse in the book of John, chapter 15. How many of you are familiar with the, with the uh, fruit and the vine? The fruit and the vine parable that Jesus says, or the teaching he says, he says, I am the vine and you are the, the more you know me and stay in relationship, because listen to me, knowing someone means relationship. The more you stay in relationship with me, the more you will grow. And the more you grow, the more fruit you produce. And that fruit can only happen by the what? Holy Spirit. Do you see how it all ties together? The only way you can be in God is to have the Holy Spirit. If not, you're not saved. And so if you're saved, you know God, you study his word, and you grow. What an amazing concept, isn't this? So that's what he's talking about. How about in the book of Peter? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Do you see the know and grow as you learn God's word through teaching? But let me ask you this. How many times have we been like, I'm good. I don't need that much more growing. Can I tell you the disciples needed to grow? Do you remember those examples where the disciples needed to grow? Now, let me ask you, anyone here would say, I'm I'm more advanced than, than James and John. Or I'm more advanced than Peter and Andrew. I'm more advanced than those guys. I don't need to grow at the same level they did. I know they needed to grow, but I did. Look, watch. They needed to grow. We need to grow. Watch. There's a story in the book of Luke where the Bible shows that they go into a region. It's called uh, Samaria. And in that area, they were rejected. And because of their rejection, come on, how many of us handle rejection poorly? Well, these guys, the sons of thunder, handled it very poorly. In fact, they said, watch what they say. They say, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume these guys? Is there anyone in the room that's also had or had been tempted to have a similar attitude? Like, you know what? I'm getting so sick of this world. Lord, I just wish you would fry them babies. I mean, you may not say it like that, but I mean, goodness gracious. Jesus says, what spirit is behind this attitude? And he's telling them, you need to grow. First of all, you need to know me closer, and you need to grow with me. Listen, if it happened to them, it can happen to us. Come on, maybe it happens to you in this traffic we're experiencing nowadays. 
What I'm telling you, it happened not just once. You say, oh, pastor, but that was a one-time shot. No, it, we have to keep knowing, keep growing, because it can keep happening. So they're having a revival, and all the children are getting excited about Jesus, and they come running up to Jesus, and then the disciples say, shoo, get away. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Get out of here. And what does Jesus say? Are you kidding me? I came for the children. Stop it, guys. You need to know me better, and you need to grow did they grow? Did they grow? Well, the Bible says they continued in the doctrine, right? In the learning, in the teaching, because you also know and grow when you teach. They continued to the point that by Acts 17, this was said about them. These men who have turned the world upside down have shown up here too. And that community was shaking because the apostles had shown up there to spread the gospel. Isn't that awesome? That that's what people would say about foundation. The other day, someone gave a report, and there was a restaurant here in town that said, you know what, you guys remind me of some people from this church called Foundation. They're always so caring, kind, and they gave such a good report, and they were sitting there saying, we're from that church. Praise God. Praise God. You're not from Pastor Chris's church. You're from Jesus Christ, the King of Glory's church. Amen. And his spirit lives inside of you. And that's why we teach his word. But there's also this idea of fellowship because this is what's happening here. In knowing and growing, you're connecting to God, but that's just one part of the cross. You got to make the full sign of the cross. In knowing and growing through teaching and learning, That's the first part. The second part is what? Fellowship. Being connected to others. It's in being connected to others that we grow. Yeah, but you know what, Pastor? I don't like the church because the church is so difficult and these so-called Christians, they're hard to deal with. Exactly, and you're one of them. Someone said to me, I don't go to church because there's too many hypocrites. I'm like, come on down. One more won't hurt. Isn't that true? The truth is none of us are who we proclaim to want to be, but we're working on it. It's a work, a daily process. And guess what? My shortcomings help you because, yes, they annoy the fool out of you, but that's what exercises your love and forgiveness and your faith. And your shortcomings and all your idiosyncrasies, they work on me. Because when you get on my last nerves, I've got to pray for you. But in praying for you, I've got to remember to pray for me that I would be more like Christ and less like me. So in dealing with you, I decrease that he may increase. Oh, do you hear what I'm saying? This is important. This is super, super important because what we're doing is exactly what he meant to happen. We're becoming a family. We're becoming a family And this is why the Bible says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, honor, forgiving. In Ephesians, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so when when you have to forgive me and I have to forgive you, I remember what Christ did for both of us. Isn't that beautiful? In Thessalonians, he says this, therefore, comfort each other and edify, build each other up. 
See, in this thing we call church, we are building each other's faith and building each other into the temple and the body of Christ. Wow. We're becoming a family. But you know what? It's not just in simple fellowship. Yes, it's in breaking bread, getting outside of our monotonous, busy schedule and inviting each other to dinner, taking the time, making the time to invite each other to dinner. But it's also in the Lord's Supper because when we partake of the Lord's Supper together, we're saying this, Lord, you didn't just forgive me, you forgave all of us. And we are all part of your family. And it's dad's way of reminding us, love your brother. As I love you, you love them. Love your sister. As I forgave you, you forgive her. You have her back. You take care of one another. You protect one another. Don't let someone treat your, mistreat your little brother. Don't let someone mistreat your little sister. You have them out there. You're part of the Pena family. That's what my dad used to tell me when he'd send us out in the streets of Houston or go out to, you protect each other. You love your brother. Don't you let anybody put them down. And you better not be putting them down. You lift them up. You believe for them. You, oh, come on now. And that's what dad is saying. Remember, you're part of my family and how much I gave that you might have this life. Amen. So we're doing the Lord's Supper, but then we're also praying because in prayer, there's knowing and growing. Isn't it right? You get to know God as you pray. Isn't this why Jesus said my house should be known as a house of a prayer? It's right there. I know I'm going super fast, but this is important. My house should be known as a house of prayer. And when we pray, we get to know God. How? Because when he says no, we know what he values. And we know that he loves us. How many of us have learned, maybe not in the moment, but the no teaches us how much God loves us? Because some of my no's have been proven to be some of my greatest blessings. And I look back now and I go, Lord, you loved me even when I had no clue what I was doing. And I was asking you for things you, you had to say no to. And you said no. How about his yes? His yes is, Lord, I can trust you because you took care of me then. You're going to take care of me today. But then we also get to pray for each other and grow in relationship. So his house should be known as a house of prayer. See, we're talking about knowing and growing. But pastor, that's not the only purpose of the church, is it? Well, there's three more and I got five minutes to share them with you. Are you ready? There's three more. There's three and three. The next three are super fast because they're, they're, they're what we most think about when we think about the church. Number one, evangelism. Number two, care, caring for each other. And number three, worship. Evangelism is what we said, go ye therefore and make disciples. Well, before you can teach someone, they have to become a disciple. So you share the gospel message with them. You say, pastor, that's hard to do. We already talked about that. Yeah, it's hard to do. But if you want to see God's power in your life, begin to share the gospel. Begin to share the gospel. Make a commitment today. Lord, I won't let another Easter Resurrection Sunday go by without me sharing the gospel with my friends. Without me at least saying, how many of us know Jesus is coming soon? No, if you didn't read today's Bible verse, it should have woken you to attention. 
First thing I do, I grab my phone, turn off my alarm, and I read the verse of the day. And the verse of the day from James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, Therefore be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now's the time to evangelize your friends and your family. Those you love. Pastor, but it's so inconvenient. I just don't feel like it. Get with the program. You're, you're, if you come here, you're not going to get to some joy boy type of preaching where it's just always about you and always about making you feel great and always about, no, I'm going to teach you the word of God saying, hey, some of the things that a coach asks us to do are not always fun and, and just so so touchy-feely, but they're necessary for the team to win. And God is saying, as our coach, we have a purpose. We have something we're marching towards. We're marching towards heaven. Bring your family with you. Share the gospel with them. Amen? This is why the Bible says in the book of Acts, but you shall receive power. I know I'm covering a lot of deep stuff, and if you're taking notes, you, you'll grow a ton in this message. Why? Because I covered, go ye therefore. Before he says, go ye therefore, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth are mine. So he's, Matthew says, I'm going to focus on his authority. Dr. Luke, you grab his power. So this is what's happening. You have Christ's authority, and you've got his power by the Holy Spirit to go ye therefore and make disciples. Listen to what he says. And you shall receive power when this Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you have the authority from Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit to change the world. As a church. That's what he says right there. But we're also called to care. We're called to care in that same book of Acts. You see the church caring for widows, caring for orphans, caring for the least of these. And this is why James, the head of the early church, James says this, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to care for widows and orphans. So we should care for each other. And last but not least, worship. Worship. That's what we're called to do as a church. We're called to worship. How so? Again, teaching. Teaching. The book of Romans is one of the most theological, doctrinal books written in the New Testament. The book of Romans. The first 11 chapters of the book of Romans are all about salvation. All about salvation. Deep doctrinal teaching from the Apostle Paul as an expert in the law, teaching you salvation. And then he gets to chapter 12. And at chapter 12, he says, now that you understand what your salvation is, therefore, do this. And watch what he tells us to do. I urge you to do this, brothers, by the mercy that God had on you to save you. 
that you should present your bodies, that means put yourself on the altar of sacrifice as a living sacrifice to be built into his body. That's what he says. And watch what he covers. He says, this is your reasonable service. So he says, as you sacrifice yourself to him as a living sacrifice, serve him. Serve him. I want some of you to ask this year, how am I going to serve him more? I'm a part of this church. How can I serve him? I'm going to say one more thing. Don't get uncomfortable with me pushing you to serve. When you get to heaven, you won't say, Dad, gum it, Pastor Chris wasted so much of my time serving. When you get before the Lord, you're going to be like, I'm so glad we had a biblical pastor that urged me to serve, that urged me to get out there and to witness and to care and to worship because this is what we're called to do. Notice what the NIV highlights. Same verse, but different words. Do not be conformed to this world, but let's go up further. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your proper worship. Service and worship are one in the same. So, Let's cover where we went. The top three help us what? Know and grow. What do the bottom three help us do? Glow and show. Glow and show. What do you mean glow and show? Well, Jesus said you were called to be the light of the world. We're called to reflect his goodness. And as we reflect his goodness as a church, we should light up our community. Wherever God's light hits us, we begin to reveal the brilliance and the brightness of it. You say, Pastor, there's six, six different steps. Actually, there's one more. Jesus Christ is the head of his church. The St. Pastor Chris's church. This isn't Pastor Melissa's church. This is Jesus Christ's church. And we're all part of this amazing mission that he has us on. Now, he's appointed me, remember? He has appointed some apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, or pastors. And I'm appointed for such a time as this, but so are you. Won't you be a lighthouse for the Lord with us? This year, this is what we're going to dedicate ourselves to. We're going to say, Lord, we're going to be about these six things. We're going to teach your word. We're going to study your word. We're going to fellowship, and under the communion of the Holy Spirit, we are going to be one. And then, Lord, we're going to pray. We're going to pray that your will would be done here in Bastrop County for this community. Then we're going to evangelize our family, our friends, our co-workers. We're going to share the gospel message in season and out of season. That means when people receive it and when people don't receive it, we're still going to share it. We're going to care for one another. We're going to care for the least of these. If one of my brothers is down, then thank goodness, Lord, I have what it takes to help them, right? And ultimately, it will be a worship to the Lord as we shine bright. I love you, church. I love you. As we take our communion cup,
Let's just take a moment. Just receive from the Lord. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your body that was broken for us. Because of your sacrifice on the cross, we were brought into your family. What a privilege. What a privilege, Your body that was broken and your blood that was shed makes us one in Christ. Amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.